All right. Hey, uh, a few weeks ago, we started a series called Wild. We're going to wrap it up tonight, just in time for Christmas and our Christmas party. So uh, this will probably be the, the last message you hear me preach in 2023. You'll have to wait uh, until 2024 for us to uh, open up the Word again. But, uh, but yeah, we got one more message in this series called Wild. Um, I was thinking about some places that I've spent a lot of time in my life. And I think about right now, like, what's the place where you spend the most time? Uh, obviously, I grew up here at Grace Church in Eden Prairie. And so probably spent the most time, like, in and around the Twin Cities. Second place for me is probably Chicago. I went to school for college in Chicago. So probably spent second most time in my life down in Chicago. But the third, third place for me is actually Israel. I spent a lot of time in Israel when I was a senior here at Grace Church. I went on the foundations trip to Israel. Then when I was in college, I studied abroad in Israel for like four months. And then since coming on staff as a pastor here at Grace, I've led uh, four trips to Israel. And, and I'll be leading an Israel trip, God willing, like every summer because I teach the foundations course now for our seniors. Uh, some of your small group leaders actually have come to Israel with me over the last year so. Um, I spent a lot of time there. And one of my absolute favorite places that we go when we go to Israel is in and around the Dead Sea. And you guys have probably heard about the Dead Sea, but the Dead Sea is one of the most interesting places on planet Earth. It is the very lowest point, 1,300 feet below sea level. Some of the hottest temperatures ever recorded on planet Earth have been recorded at the Dead Sea. Like in 2019, it hit 50 degrees Celsius. That's 122 degrees Fahrenheit. And the water of the Dead Sea is 11 times saltier than the Atlantic Ocean. Which means if you put your head underwater, you can actually die. It's that dangerous and that salty. You can float without even trying. Like you probably see pictures of people just like floating, reading the newspaper or a book or something in the Dead Sea because it's effortless. It's that salty of water. And because of the low elevation and because of the extreme temperatures and because of the salt from the Dead Sea that's permeated the ground like all around the entire area. The Dead Sea is a pretty barren place, honestly. Some might even call it a dead place. But there are some places not too far from the Dead Sea. Like you can see the Dead Sea in the distance, but not too far. There's a slot canyon like this called Ingedi. And Ingedi is actually a place of life. There's plants and waterfalls, and you can see Ike, you can see Maya is in the green. Um, it's a place where animals live, like that goat thing is called an ibex. There's also an animal called the hyrax, it's a little rock badger. It's a region, like all around the Dead Sea, that looks dead and is dead. Mostly, but there are these little pockets where the breath of life can be found. And I know I said this a few weeks ago, the last time I preached up here, but when we think wilderness in the Bible, we're not thinking boundary waters, we're not thinking forest, we're not thinking Alaska. We got to think like desert. 
right? We got to think like barren because so much of the Bible takes place in settings like this where there is just nothing. There's desert, there's sand, there's rocks, there's maybe these pockets of life. And because of the setting, there's some stories that happen in the wilderness that I think we have a lot to, to take from. We can apply them to our lives as we read them. And so I want to look at one last wilderness story here in the Bible because we've already seen, right? We've seen Jesus in the wilderness. We've seen Moses in the wilderness. We've seen David in the wilderness. And I want to look at one more story in the wilderness and see maybe if like tonight there's something like for you very specifically, I kind of wrote this message tonight with a few of you in mind. Um, so there might be something that like, you specifically need to hear tonight because the question that we've been kind of asking throughout this whole series is, is what do we find in the wild? And tonight, I, I think somebody in here feels like they're kind of stuck in the wild, like stuck in the wilderness. Maybe it's like this, just this desert season where the hits just kind of keep on coming. And maybe it's something at home or something at school, in a friend group maybe, a broken relationship. Maybe things just are not going your way. If that feels like you tonight, I want to answer that question of what do we find in the wild. I want to answer it in three ways. All right, so if you're a note taker, this would be the big idea for tonight is that when we're in the wild, we find death, breath and life. We find death, we find breath, and we find life. So we're going to look at the prophetic vision that the prophet Ezekiel has in chapter 37 of the book of Ezekiel. So if you've got a Bible or the Bible app on your phone, go ahead and, and get to Ezekiel chapter 37. Again, if you need a Bible, they're on the shelf over by Grace, so uh, get one. If not, like it'll be up on the screen too. Ezekiel chapter 37. And now Ezekiel, Ezekiel was a dude who was training up to become a priest in God's temple in Jerusalem. But before he was able to be officially installed as a priest, King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire swept through, destroying Israel, destroying the capital city of Jerusalem, destroying God's temple and taking the people of God into exile, into Babylon. And so Ezekiel, along with all the other people of Jerusalem, gets taken into exile. And this destruction, it was all because God's people had turned away from God. They had forgotten how good God had been to them in the past. They had started worshiping idols. They even set up an idol in God's very temple. But while he's in Babylon, Ezekiel is given a vision from God, a prophetic vision. And in this vision, Ezekiel is shown what God is going to do. And it's, it's something miraculous because even though God's people had walked away from God, had stopped worshiping God, had set up idols and worshiped those instead, God was going to restore his people. Even though Israel was unfaithful to God, God remains faithful 
to his people. So let's read this vision because it takes place in a desert valley. It takes place in the wilderness. So Ezekiel chapter 37, I'm going to start reading right away in verse 1. So make sure you're there with me. My Bible says this. This is Ezekiel talking now. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground, and they were completely dried out. Then he, God, asked me, Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me. And breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet. A great army. So the question is, what do we find in the wild? And no takers, my first point is this. In the wild, we find death. In the wild, we find death. See, Ezekiel, he's given this prophetic vision. And he sees this entire desert valley filled with bones. This is a place of death. But the bones, they're not animal bones, right? This isn't like, like the elephant graveyard in the Lion King. Like these are human bones. And this is like a nightmare type vision because everywhere Ezekiel looks, it's human skulls and femurs and ribs and pieces of, you know, vertebrae and, and just human bones everywhere along this valley floor. And he looks, and, and these bones, they're, they're old. They're dried up. In the wild, Ezekiel, he finds death. And the death that he sees is a symbol of how God's people have turned away from worshiping God. It's like God's people have become these dried up, lifeless bones. And I, I got to be honest tonight. Over the course of this school year so far, 
I've sensed a few different groups of people that come here to Next on a Wednesday night. And I want to mention a couple of them specifically tonight. The first group that, that I see here on a Wednesday night is dry bones. And man, if that's you, I think you know. And I think you know I'm about to speak right to you tonight. Because the second that I mentioned dry bones, you were like, yeah, that's exactly how I've been feeling. You see, the curse of sin, it's affected every single human being. And the curse of sin is death. It's like sin is a virus with a 100% mortality rate. Ephesians chapter 2 says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. And so you might be sitting here tonight at next, not alive, but dead. Just a pile of bones dried out, no life in you at all. And it's probably because there's sin in your life that has gone unchecked. I mean, we've all got skeletons in our closet. Like, it's not a matter of if we're struggling with sin. Addictions have taken over your life. There's pleasures that you're indulging in that you shouldn't be. Secrets that you've been trying to hide. Maybe it's anger that you've been holding on to. Jealousy that just colors every part of your vision. Maybe it's pride and, and you just think you're so much better than someone else. It's not a matter of if you're struggling with sin. It's it's a matter of which ones and when they're going to come to light. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says that everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And so I know somebody came to next tonight dead in their pride. And you think you're, you're better than someone because of X, Y, or Z. I know that somebody came to next tonight dead in their jealousy. Like you wish you had the clothes or, or the friends or the house or, or the gifting that somebody else has. I know somebody came to Next tonight just dead in their lust. Like you're addicted to looking at pictures and videos online that you shouldn't be. Or you're wrestling with feelings of attraction for someone of the same sex and, and you don't know what to do. I know that somebody came to Next tonight dead in their anger. That you've been holding resentment towards somebody else. And as Ezekiel looks over this valley of dry bones, the situation seems hopeless. And so he asks God, he's like, what are we going to do about this? God, God says, start speaking, Ezekiel. Start speaking. Because Ezekiel, he feels hopeless. He sees all the dried up bones and he's like, is it even possible? Is it even possible that these bones could become alive again? Is it possible that they could be reassembled again? Is there, is there any hope? And maybe that's how you came in feeling tonight. You kind of came in dead, dried out, and you're like, is there any hope for me? Is there any way that the situation of my life can change? So Ezekiel, he kind of throws his hands up and he says, God, you're the only one who knows the answers to questions like that. Maybe you came in here tonight asking that question. Is there anything that anyone can do for me? 
So if you are feeling like I'm in this first group, dead, dry bones, I have a word from the Lord for you, I think. It's a word of hope. It's a word of encouragement. It's a word of freedom. Like I'm going to speak the same message over you that God asked Ezekiel to speak over this valley of dry bones. I mean, look at verses 4 through 6. This is what the sovereign Lord says, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. For you dry bones, for you who are dead in sin right now, God says it's time to live. God wants to take that which is dead and make it alive. You see, we're all dead and deserving of death because of our sin. We've rebelled against the holy and perfect God. He set a standard for living, and we have not met that standard. But God loves you way too much to leave you like that. So God himself stepped out of heaven, became incarnated as a human being, 100% God and 100% man. His name is Jesus. And Jesus lived perfectly, up to God's standard in every single possible way. He did not fail even once. He lived the life that you or I could never live. And he died the death that you and I deserved to die because of our sin. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave, and in doing so, he conquered sin, and he conquered death forever. And he made a way for you to be in a restored relationship with the God who made you, the God who loves you. And when you place your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God breathes into you, and you can live. So dry bones, God says, live. If you've been resisting giving your life over to Jesus, you've never trusted him for your salvation, I think tonight is your night. But the dry bones group, that's not the only group that I've seen this year and next. That's only one of them. And I said that in the wild we find death, we find breath, and we find life. So as I talk about group number two, let's move to point number two. My second point tonight is that in the wild we find breath. In the wild we find breath. See, there's a second group here at Next. And I think you actually might be in a worse place than the dry bones group, truthfully. You see, this second group, I think, really is exemplified in verses 7 and 8. So let's look back at the text. Ezekiel, he says, I spoke the message just as God told me. And suddenly as I spoke, there was this rattling noise all across the valley. And the bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. These dry bones, they, they come together, they get arranged perfectly in the right way. The, the tendons appear and start connecting them together. Muscles and flesh form, skin covers, but they have no breath. The second group that I see here at Next, you're not dry bones. 
but you're still not alive. You still have no breath. You see, this second group, and maybe this sounds like you, this second group, they look the part. They look like they're alive. You're not just dry bones. Like, you appear everything that you need to have to be alive except for the breath. So maybe you're here and you've been coming to next all year, but you've kind of been playing games with God. Maybe you've kind of been pretending and just hoping that nobody is going to notice. Maybe you're really good at, at being the church kid. You're good at hiding what you're really struggling with. You're good at pretending every time you walk into the J-High space. You see, there's something honest, I think, about the Dry Bones group. Like, at least the Dry Bones group looks dead. So it's not surprising when they act dead. But this no-breath group, you're still just as dead as the Dry Bones. Like, you've never really trusted in Jesus. And when I was in J-High, sitting in this very room, that was me. I'd walk in here every single Wednesday, every single Sunday, looking the part, but I was dead. So let me tell you from personal experience that you can fake it for a really long time. You could fake it your entire life if you wanted to. You might fool every single person around you, your friends, your family, but you're never going to fool God. He sees you, he knows you, and he loves you. And he wants you to experience a life that is real, a life that is full, a life that, that builds his kingdom. So if you're in that second group, you need breath. And God himself wants to live inside of you. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says that the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Like that's talking about someone who has trusted in Jesus. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. That's what is possible in Jesus. And so if you're in this second group, like it's time to admit that you're not okay. It's time to stop hiding and pretending. It's time to actually trust Jesus with the pieces of your life that you have been holding out on him. The pieces that you've been trying to fix all on your own. So let me kind of wrap up this message tonight with, with one final point. I said that in the wild we find death, we find breath. And so my third point tonight is that in the wild, we find life. In the wild, we find life. I love this prophetic picture, this final image that Ezekiel sees. The bones that were dead, they come together. Then they start to look like humans again, and then they receive the breath. And they stand up. And it's an army. Look back at verse 10. 
So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies, and they all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Let me tell you, in this room, the third group that I see, I see members of this army. I see sixth graders and seventh graders and eighth graders who are alive in Christ, who are being unleashed into their schools, into their neighborhoods, into their friend groups as an army to build God's kingdom. So if you've been coming to Next and you know that you're just dead, you've never trusted in Jesus and and you know that there's no life in you, or if you've been coming to Next and, and you know that you've just been faking it and you look the part but still there is no life in you, my plea is that you would trust Jesus and that in Jesus you would find life, that you would turn away from all of the things that have kept you dead and that you would run towards the one who came to give you life. I want you to join this army. But if you've been coming to Next and you know that you have been saved, you've trusted in Jesus, like, I want you to know you are a part of that army described in verse 10, even if, even if, as I started talking about kind of the, the sin struggles that the dry bones and the no breath groups were, were dealing with, like, maybe you're in here and you're like, but I, I'm struggling with some of those things too. Let me speak to you for just a second because, because I know that that can be discouraging. I know that it can feel like you're just taking steps backwards, but I also know that the same God who saved you is going to continue to save you and is not going to ever let you go. And so if you, if you started hearing me talk about dry bones, if you hear, started hearing me talk about no breath and you're like, I know I've trusted in Jesus, but I'm still struggling in that way, let me just remind you that struggling with sin doesn't nullify your salvation. You're still saved. But maybe you need to take some steps to root out some sin patterns in your life. Or, or maybe you need to be in community more so that you're encouraged by your brothers and sisters in Christ who are also part of this army of people alive in Christ. If you have life, I want you to live like it. I think the region around the Dead Sea, I think it's actually a lot like here. When I go shopping, when I go on social media, when I watch the news, I see a lot of death. I see a lot of dead people, people far away from Jesus. But there are places, there are places like in Getty, that little canyon with the waterfalls, little pockets of breath and life. And I believe that next is one of those places. This is the best night of the week because this is an oasis in the desert, a place where dead things come back to life and a place where alive things can thrive. And so my prayer for you is that you would bring life to the dead people and the dead places in your sphere of influence. I want you to bring life to your homes. I want you to bring life to your schools. I want you to bring life to your sports team or, or your orchestra or the cast of your play, your friend group. Make other places you go, just like this one, 
by bringing the good news that Jesus brings dead things to life because he is not dead, but alive. The Lord gives a promise to Ezekiel at the end of chapter 37. And we didn't read it up at the top, so let's read it now. If you've still got your Bible open to Ezekiel chapter 37, go all the way to the end of the chapter to verse 26. This is a promise that the Lord makes. He says, I will make a covenant of peace with them. An everlasting covenant. I will give them their land and increase their number. I will put my temple among them forever. I will make my home among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. And when my temple is among them forever, the nations will know that I am the Lord who makes Israel holy. This is a promise that God makes, a promise that he makes to a rebellious people, a promise that he is going to be with them no matter what. And this promise was fulfilled when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of believers. And this is a promise that's going to be fulfilled when the kingdom of God is firmly and completely established here on earth. And so tonight, before we go, I think I would be in the wrong if I didn't give some people in here a chance to respond tonight. Maybe you're hearing this good news message that Jesus brings dead things alive, and you were thinking, man, like, I'm in that dry bones group, or I've been faking it, I'm in that no breath group, and I need to trust Jesus tonight. If that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to, to do that. And maybe you've got some questions. You're like, ah, oh, like this is kind of the first time I'm hearing this message, and, and I want to work some things out first. Like, that's okay. I would love to help you wrestle like, through those things with you. I know Ryan, I know Grace, your small group leaders on Sunday would love to have those conversations with you as you kind of work it all out, try to get to that place where you're ready to say yes to Jesus. But if tonight you're here and you're like, yep, I'm ready. I want to give you a chance to, to say that. So I'm going to pray in just a minute. And, and if that's you, I want you to kind of pray the words that I'm saying along with me, just kind of in your own heart. You don't have to pray them out loud. I mean, there's nothing magical about the prayer. The prayer is just going to be you truly giving your life to Jesus. And, and I would only want you to pray that prayer if it's, like, the first time. Like, you don't have to keep praying that prayer every single time that you feel convicted of sin. Like, remember, I said, like, if you're part of that army, you're part of that army. Just because you're struggling with sin doesn't mean you're not saved anymore. So if you know you're saved, like, you're still saved. But if you're in here and you're like, I've never, ever trusted in Jesus, then make tonight the night. So why don't we all bow our heads, close our eyes. I'm going to lead us in this prayer. And... Midway through the prayer, I'm just going to ask that you would look up at me, and I'll make eye contact with you just so I can kind of see who in here wants to trust Jesus tonight, and we can have a conversation afterwards. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. God, I have been feeling like dead, dry bones God, I have been showing up here every single week and faking it. Lord, I'm ready 
to receive breath, to become alive. Jesus, I know that you make dead things alive. And so, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I trust you with my life. I trust you with my future. God, I believe that the Bible is true when it says that you died on the cross for me and that you didn't stay dead. Jesus, I want to trust you. If that was a prayer that you just prayed for the very first time, I want everybody else's eyes to stay shut, heads stay bowed. But if that was you and you prayed that, just like look up at me and I'll just kind of give you a nod. I'm not going to call anybody out, but I just want to see if there's anybody in here who wants to trust Jesus for the first time tonight. Once we make eye contact, you can put your head down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jesus, I, I just worship, I worship you, God. Worship you for the lives of the students in this room the students who have trusted in you for the first time tonight, God, the students that are still wrestling and unsure what they believe about you, Jesus, would you, would you convince them? Would you show up so real and so big in their lives? And God, I praise you for the students who have been saved and have been walking with you for a while. God, would you increase their faith? God, would you give them new opportunities to follow you? And Jesus, there are students in here who are saved, but they are struggling in sin. God, would you bring people around them? Would they have the courage to confess that sin in their small group? Would they have accountability with their, with their brothers or their sisters in that small group? God, would you begin to change their hearts, help them overcome that sin? Jesus, you're the only one who can do it. So I praise you as our king, as our savior. In your mighty name, Jesus, amen.